Hey, how's everybody's weekend? Who did the most exciting thing this weekend? Let me, okay. What was it? You longboarded. Okay. Anybody do something more exciting than longboarding? I'm just asking. You watch the hogs. I probably would pick longboarding. Now that the hogs aren't great, whoop. Oh, get out. Woo pig, I'm here for it. I've got a Razorback shirt. Like, I'm, I'm on the team. Uh, but longboarding's probably more exciting, to be honest. Hey, uh, just going to plug this really quick. We have a volleyball tournament starting next week. Sam Volleyball. So if you are feeling competitive, uh, sign up. Please compete. Uh, if you're not feeling com- competitive, you can come and sit and watch everybody that is feeling competitive. So that would be fun for you. Uh, but it, it'll just be a great time of hanging out, community. Uh, it'll be after service, just like tonight. So we'll finish probably 8.05, 8.10. And then we'll go out there and start playing volleyball probably five or 10 minutes after. So uh, wear your gear next week. Come ready to play. Ball out. We won't let you practice before because then you're like sandy and sweaty in here. And that's just weird. You know what I mean? Like that's just, we don't want any of that. Uh, but hey, we're going to dive into the book of Acts as we have been praying and kind of getting ready for this semester. We have just really been seeking God on what, what do we do? Every year we, we try to figure out what's the direction you're taking us, Lord? What do we want our young people learning, not just in our ministry, but our church in general across the board? Uh, and you heard, if you were here this weekend, you heard Pastor Tanner, who is our student pastor uh, rep across the state. Uh, he helps oversee our student conference, all of our youth pastors. Uh, and one of their uh, values for student ministries is that the, at the next generation would be a people who are grounded in the Word of God. Uh, and we are no different as students, as young people, as college age men and women. We want to be grounded in the Word of God. Amen. Uh, and so I don't know what background you come from. I came from a church that taught the Word but didn't really teach me how to get into the Word. Uh, I didn't really learn to read the Word myself. I didn't know to open the Bible. I didn't really even know where to open it to. You, you feel me? Like, sometimes you're like, man, I'm really ready to get into the Word. I want to read the Bible. It's like big, though. You know what I mean? It's like, where do I, do I just start at Genesis? Like, that, I'm pretty much signing up for two years. You know what I mean? Like, what do I, <laughs> what's the, like, is there a fast track? I don't know what to do. So really this semester, what we're wanting to do is just study the book of Acts. And what, I, what I'm praying that God would do is create in us a hunger, not just for the book of Acts, but for God's word, for more of it. Because if we come in here and just get a, a, a few verses and, and a little bit of teaching on Sunday nights, and this is all we have during the week, it's not going to be enough, right? And so we just got to be a people who are loving and grounded in the Word of God. So if you want to open the book of Acts, I've never taught the way I'm going to teach tonight. I've been very much, uh, very practical teaching. This will still be practical, but we're going to basically walk verse by verse through chapter one. Uh, and we'll, I'll get feedback from y'all. And if you say we like that, then we'll keep going. But if not, uh, somebody else will come next week. So. Actually, Pastor Bronson from downtown Little Rock is speaking next week, so we're excited about that. He's going to be here um, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, chapter 2. And so he's going to be here, and it's going to be amazing, so you definitely want to be here for that. So uh, we're going to open up Acts chapter 1. So I'm going to set the tone. Uh, I don't know how many of you have read 
the book of Acts, even if you have, we're going to learn hopefully something that's going to help us contextualize this, the text that we're going to be reading over the next several weeks. So if you look at the book of Acts from a wide, uh, from a, from a wide angle lens, what you're looking at is you're looking from chapter 1 to chapter 28 is the picture of Jesus has just taken the cross. He has been put in the grave. He has risen. He's hung out with his boys for probably 40 days or so. And we are on the brink of him going to be with God. And he is no longer on the earth. And so for the disciples, you can imagine them in their scenario. They're, they're probably at a place where they've been with him the entire time they've known Jesus. Their ministry has been with Jesus. It's like if you had a mentor or a friend of yours and they upped and moved quickly, you're, you're at this place of, man, what do I do now? And so this is where the disciples are. And God says, hey, what I want to do is I'm going to leave you my Holy Spirit. He said, it's better for me to go so that I can leave you the Holy Spirit and you're going to be able to be, be equipped to do the things I'm asking you to do as the people who love me and follow me. And so from chapter two all the way to chapter 28 is the birth of the church. And so really a question I want to answer this, the, over these next few weeks is, is the church still relevant today? Because if you can look at uh, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came, died, and then left the Holy Spirit, the church obviously was the greatest movement in the world because we're still in it today. Christianity is still the movement that, that is probably the biggest in the world, and we're a part of it today. So how did that even happen? That's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. But uh, just to set up, how many of you know who wrote the book of Acts? Who wrote it? Somebody that, yeah. Hey, amen. That's good. Uh, one point for you. I don't know how we're keeping up with that, but We'll see if I even keep up with it. Uh, so Luke wrote the book of Acts. How many of you know the other book that Luke wrote? Y'all are good. I may have underestimated you. Let me, okay, I'm just kidding. I didn't type anything. So Luke wrote Luke, and the, sec the sequel to his, uh, to, to the book of Luke is the book of Acts. And so it starts off in verse one. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus, I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In the first book, meaning Luke, and now we're reading the book of Acts. He's writing to a man named Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, the meaning of that name means uh, a lover of God. And so many people believe, scholars of which I am not, I'm sorry, but I've read some of them, but some of them believe that Theophilus was a, was a person. So, uh, Luke was writing to this man named Theophilus, writing this letter, and it was going to an individual. But there's also a common thought that Theophilus was a meaning for all people who loved God. And if you sit back and think for a second that the Holy Spirit, that God himself would inspire a writing to a man named Theophilus that was all-encompassing to the people who loved and called on the name of God, that's pretty cool. To sit and think and look at the Bible and say, man, God is writing this book to everyone that believes and calls on the name of God. That's a powerful place to think. Man, that's, to think that the Holy Spirit would do something like that is pretty deep. So uh, here we go. We're going we're gonna to pick up in, in this series, we're studying the nature of the early church, how it started, what moved the disciples from being this random, uneducated group of believers to leading one of the fastest growing movements in the world. We're gonna see several themes. We're gonna see revival. 
not collide revival, but like a revival. Healing, we're going to see works of power. We're going to see hypocrisy, unspeakable loss, people losing things that are important to them. But at the same time, we're going to see large amounts of hope, unstoppable hope throughout the book of Acts. Let's put this up on the screen. The, the focus for this whole book is this. For every believer, that's not it. I'm not going to read that. That's a quote that's in here, but that's too long, so you would get lost, and I don't want to read that much. It says, the call for every Christian is to wait for God's timing, witness to God's power, and to live in such a way that causes people to ask questions for which the gospel is the answer. And so we're going to roll through these next few verses in the next... 20 minutes. But the sermon title for tonight is There's Power in Your Weight. If you're taking notes, there's power in your weight. And at the end of the service tonight, I want to give us some time to wait and ask the Lord what you want to do. And I'm going to have some some prompts at the very end that will help us in our time of waiting on God to move and speak to us. So Acts chapter 1, verse 4, and we're going to include all of the chapter, but we're only going to read two verses right here. So it says, and while staying with them, this is Jesus, as Jesus stays with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I don't know how many of you uh, enjoy waiting. I'm not one of those people. So uh, waiting at the DMV. How many of you have ever sat at the DMV, ever? Okay, a few of you. How many of you have never been to the DMV? What is that? Okay, more power to you. One, okay, any, I hear, I see you. Uh, or the doctor's office. I hate sitting and waiting in a doctor's office because I'm like, I don't think they're that busy because most of the rooms I go into in the back, their doors are always open and I could go into any of them, but they lead me to this specific one. And I'm like, who am I waiting on back here? Uh, but I, I looked at some stats of things that we wait on. Okay, so two things. We spend 38 hours each year waiting in traffic. 38 hours of our life is just sitting at stoplights. That's like too much. And then, guys, we end up waiting 20 months of our life for our ladies to get ready. That was also a stat. I don't know how valid it is, but that was true on the internet. It told me, uh, I'm kidding. Some of you probably don't take that long, but some of you need to hurry up. Uh, I'm just kidding. But those are two facts. How many, I just hate waiting. I hate being at a point where it's uncomfortable. It's, I feel like I'm not being productive. I, I feel like I could get so much more done if I just did not have to wait. I find it interesting though. Jesus said, hey, I'm about to leave bros. Uh, what, I, they're eating dinner together. They're hanging out. And he says, hey, hold up. I forgot to tell you. Don't leave Jerusalem because there's something coming for you. I need you to wait. And so for them, when Jesus leaves, they're probably thinking, man, we got work to do. They could have probably went and accomplished the ministry that they've been doing. They've seen Jesus do it. He's, they've seen Jesus pray. They've seen Jesus show up to homes. He's, they've seen him encourage people through Scripture, uh, teaching the principles of the Bible. They could probably have done successful ministry without the power of God. And that's a dangerous place to be if we can continue to do ministry without the power of God with us. But how many of you know the power of God is what made it different and what made it impactful and what made it the movement we're in today? And so we're going to take a look at that too. Acts 1-4, it says, 
do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. And so my first thought is, why did they have to wait? My question to you is, how did a group of 120, that's how many people were in the upper room after Jesus went to be with the Father, there were 120 people in the upper room, and we're going to study what they did while they waited. But what made them automatically better? If you look even just a few chapters before, here's some of the failures of the disciples. This is where they were at. They said, in Matthew 20, there were two disciples that literally, uh, their mom went to Jesus and said, hey, um, I would love for my two sons to be at your left and your right hand when you're in, in heaven. How many of your moms would be that mom? You know yeah, my mom definitely would be. <laughs> uh, can my son have the best seat? Like, that's what, that's what they're doing. That's not good. That's not where you want to be. Uh, one of the disciples, Peter, he was in the garden. He slashed off a dude's ear in anger as Jesus was being arrested. And then there was another one, Peter, at the same. They're all Peter. Uh, Peter was messed up. Uh, <laughs> Peter literally denied Jesus three times. And God ultimately gave him redemption and restoration through the opportunity to, to declare his love for him three times after that moment. But the disciples were people who were constantly getting it wrong. Jesus was constantly having to coach them and say, hey, you've got this, you can do better. But what made that group of people, the same group of people that started the most massive, worldwide, most impactful movement we have seen to date in our world? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. The gift that they had to wait on would be the difference in, in the movement that they had, that they were a part of. The power that, the, the, diff the difference in the power was that it was not even about them. How many, of you, how many of you have seen people that ultimately got power? Like immediately got power? Maybe it was a job. Maybe somebody in your workplace that got promoted over you. How many of you have seen managers that ultimately got that manager title and they're like, they're wearing it. You know what I mean? Like they're the ones in charge. They're going to let you know. They're making the rules. That's what power does for us. It makes us puffed up. It makes us prideful. But the great thing about the power that the, Holy, that the disciples received was that it was not about them. It was all for the glory of Jesus so that they could do what Jesus equipped them in the mission that he, he had for them to do. The, the difference is they had to yield to God still even with the power to do it themselves. And I feel like a lot of times for me, I'm, I'm quick to go do if I had the power. But the disciples had to wait on, on Jesus or on the Holy Spirit. So we're called to wait for God's timing. If you're taking notes, that's a point. Acts 1-4, we're called to wait for God's timing. He gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. When I first got to New Life, uh, my first job was... Uh, on the maintenance, how many of y'all have ever worked like in a maintenance position, like building things, fixing things? That was not me. Uh, I like, <laughs> I, 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 well, I was on maintenance and cleaning crew um, here at the church. And so I just, I felt called to ministry. I wanted to do anything that was at the church. So really I got into whatever I could. And so I started vacuuming the seats that people sat on during the weekend. Like you, yo nasty butts would leave tonight and I, would vacuum them up on Mondays. Like, that's not what I thought I would be doing in ministry. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's where I, that's where I was, though. And so I automatically thought to myself, man, I should be further than this. Two or three years later, I was working in creative and still cleaning at the church. And I was like, man, I've been doing this for two years. I, I could be doing more somewhere else, probably. 
But there's power in waiting because what God was doing as he was equipping me in my leadership, in my humility, in the gifts that I was learning through everybody that I was meeting with, through serving in a life group as a life group leader, through greeting at the doors, through learning what it was like to be a part of the church, a part of what God was doing and not doing it myself. I learned a lot in the moments of waiting. So the, the waiting is key. The waiting is powerful. There is power in your wait. What are you waiting for? Are you feeling called to pray for someone but waiting for the right time? Feeling called to start a ministry, maybe discipling somebody, or maybe start a new job, looking for something that makes you more flexible, your time more flexible, but you're waiting for God's timing. Maybe more seriously, you're desperate for God to answer a prayer in your life. Whatever it is that you're waiting for, God is faithful, and we can continue to seek Him while we wait. That's one thing I love about this story of the disciples. Even while they were waiting, they were intentional. They were actively pursuing the things of God while they were waiting on the Holy Spirit. We're called to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Bronson will get into a little bit more next week. But in Acts 1, 6-8, it says, So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking Him. That phrase is so funny. I wonder how many times they asked Jesus. Like, if He ever got frustrated with them, like, hey... I've told you three times already, like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there? You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes there's so much humor in the Bible if you just read it slowly. It says, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Listen, look at what the apostles ask. They say, Jesus... They said, Lord, will you reveal to us? In the ESV, it says this. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? For, for a lot of us, we don't know the contextual history here, but after Jesus came, died, and was resurrected, ultimately, they thought that the Messianic covenant or the Messianic prophecy was fulfilled at that point. They thought that, Jeru- that the Israelites would be restored, that the Roman Empire would not be over them anymore, and that they would pretty much be saved from everything that was going on in life. Like that was the next step for them that they knew from all the Old Testament prophecies that they had read. They knew the next step was that Jesus would come and that they would be good. And so for us, this may, this may seem like, man, why are they asking this? But for them, it was, it was the next thing. It was, that was part of what the process was to them. But they asked, Lord, will you? But the Lord responded, you will receive power. Lord, will you, will you do this now? And the Lord said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. They were looking for the end result. They were looking for, God, is this what's coming? And the Lord said, hey, I don't know, and you won't know, but here's what I do know, is that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and that will be enough in this time of waiting for you in ministry that you're about to embark on. In the end of verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to write down three questions that we're going to ask here in just a few minutes as we pray and worship. What can God do in us while we wait? What can God do through us while we wait? And what is our posture during our wait. 
And really quickly, I'm going to navigate these next few verses in the next five minutes or so. I just want to draw out things that they did, the disciples, while they waited on the Holy Spirit. So they were promised the Holy Spirit, but they did not know when. All they knew is that Jesus said, hey, uh, in verse 5, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They don't know if it's a day. They don't know if it's four days, nine, ten. They don't know if it's two weeks away. Like, some days from now is pretty vague. Like, if I told you, hey, you're going you're gonna to get paid some days from now. Some of you are like, well, I'm going to need to know. Like, I got bills. Like, I, I got stuff I got to pay for. I need to eat. They had no idea. So, let's keep reading. In verse 5, they were given their next step while they waited. In verse 5, it says, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All they knew is that their next step would be, they would be, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They didn't know what that meant. They didn't know what they would use it for. They didn't know what power they would assume. They didn't know what they would be baptized in, but they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We know the end result. We know the next steps and how it plays out because we have the Word. We have the whole book of Acts, but they had no clue. So as they're waiting, Jesus says, I need you to wait here in Jerusalem. Don't leave. My Father has a gift for you. He says, you're going to be baptized some days from now. Would you be okay not knowing the end result if you just knew a few days from now God has something for you? And would you continually be praying for what it is that God has for you? That was the next point. They received their commission. They received their commission in verse 1, 6 through 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is a great missions verse. We use this every year when we talk about missions trips. But they, they literally found out why they, were good, they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I didn't grow up learning about the Holy Spirit. How many of you grew up in a church that did not teach the Holy Spirit? Like a little bit, little bit higher so I can see. Okay, so that's probably half of us maybe maybe a little bit less than half. I had no idea. I didn't even know the Holy Spirit was a thing. They didn't talk about it. I just knew that I should not sin. Like, that's what I knew about, about church. I knew I should not sin and probably get baptized. Like, those are the two things. Uh, and that I should go to Awanas on Wednesday. Like, that's it. Uh, like, those, those were my church checkoffs. Like, that was it. Uh, but man, the Holy, they found out that the Holy Spirit would empower them to be the witness. The thing I... In Acts 1, the title of this whole, cha the whole chapter is The Preparation to Witness. So the disciples were being prepared to witness about the gospel, about Jesus, about his life, about the power that they had to the world who knew nothing about Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit is for in us. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence. It gives us wisdom. It's a friend. It's a helper. The Holy Spirit himself does a lot of things in us. But for the early church, for the disciples, it was an equipping tool. It was Jesus' power and authority given to his disciples to say, okay, I'm gone. Now I can be everywhere at the same time and we can accomplish what I originally set out to do. But I'm going to use you. So it gave them boldness, it gave them clarity, it gave them peace, it gave them everything that they would need. It gave them their commission. It was like, how many of you saw Space Jam? Like the good one with Michael Jordan, you know what I'm saying? 
so there's this picture, Mike's special secret stuff. Uh, this is what I envision the Holy Spirit being. You know, it's like when, when the Looney Tunes got that bottle, they were like, we can do this now. Like there's nothing, we can beat the Monstars. Like they, they, have, they have nothing against our squad now because we have Michael's secret stuff. This was the Holy Spirit. This was it. So when, they, when the power came, and we'll discuss it next week, they were, they were unstoppable. They went, in 200 years, it became the largest movement in the world, which is crazy to me. I don't know anything that spread, well, COVID, but like, so I know one thing that spread faster. But I don't know anything in my lifetime that I can see that spread across the world quickly like that. Like the move of God through the Holy Spirit that we're still, that's just mind-boggling to me how they did it that many years ago with nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit. That's crazy. Do you sense the power of God moving in your life? Point number three, they were united in prayer. What did they do while they waited? They were united in prayer. Verse 14. It says, all these people, the 120 that were in the upper room, the men, the women, the disciples, the people who were there, all of them, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were all unified in prayer. Their prayer wasn't pending their gift. Their prayer wasn't pending the Holy Spirit. It was who, who they were praying to. Their relationship with God was already there. Their relationship with Jesus was already there. They had not received the Holy Spirit. They weren't praying about the Spirit because they had the Spirit. It was because they wanted to be and walk and live like God. Everyone was waiting and praying together. And lastly, let me ask you a question about that point. What are you waiting for? And are you praying continually and together as you wait? What are you waiting for? And are you praying continually and together as you wait? And lastly, they prepared for ministry opportunity. What I love, how many of you picture waiting as in like you're sitting in the waiting room, it's got all the empty chairs, and there's like one and you're sitting in it, like alone, quiet, there's probably no music on. You know, you know that picture? I don't know what picture you get of waiting, but that's what I get. As we're waiting on God to move, on what's next in our life, or even as we look at the disciples here and we're studying the book of Acts and we're seeing God, the move of God is about to take place, but the disciples are literally standing still, waiting on God's next move. They were still intentional every single day. And that's what we as believers can be equipped with is saying, hey, I don't know what God's next step is for me. I don't know what the Holy Spirit's going to do in my life. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know the next step that I need to take. But God, until I know for sure, I'm going to take these steps because I know that I'm going to draw nearer and nearer and closer to you. That may be reading the Bible. That may be being in a life group. That may be serving at the church. That may be hanging out with your friends. That may be discipling somebody that you're, you're, that you're around on a regular basis. Whatever that may be, what step can you take to be intentionally waiting on what God has for you? They prepared for ministry opportunities. So a few chapters earlier, Judas, who was one of the disciples, he was the one that turned Jesus over to uh, the guards and sold him out. He got a bag of money for it. Uh, I don't know how many of you have watched The Chosen, but it's a great series. But it depicts all of this through video. 
And Judas ends up committing suicide. And basically he's gone from the 12th. So they left with 11. So these last few weeks, last few months since Jesus' death, there's only been 11 of them. So they, figured, they, they realized, man, we've got to add somebody to our ministry because we need somebody else to make our group even because most of the time they would go out in twos. So one of these bros would be left alone to go out into another city to spread the gospel, to do what the Holy Spirit's called them to do. He would be alone unless they added somebody to that number. And so as they were waiting, they realized, man, we've got to add somebody. And so we pick up here in verse 24. It says, And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. It was between two people, Justice and Matthias. Which one of these two you've chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place? And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered as one of the twelve. So we... We're in the middle of waiting, and in the next verse, the day of Pentecost arrived, and just a few moments later, a few verses later, the Holy Spirit comes. That could have been a day or two. I don't know what that could have been. It doesn't specify how much time passed between that moment and the next, but they were intentionally preparing for the ministry God had ahead for them. So if you're in a moment of waiting, if you're in a place where you're like, man, I don't know. If you're waiting on feeling deeper connected with God, jump into the, to, to the ministry opportunity that's ahead of you. And we look at the disciples and they're sitting here and they're like, man, I, I don't know when this day will come, but I'm going to be as ready as I can be for that day to come so that I can go. They had done four things while they waited. They prepared for ministry. They united in prayer. They received their commission and they were given their next step. Man, I love the way that I know when we read this text, it's not talk, it's not showing us how to prepare for the next step, but we can learn from what the disciples did. And they were intentionally waiting on the Lord to give them the gift of the Holy Spirit so that they would now be equipped to do what he had called them to do. For the next few minutes, I just want to sit and wait on the Lord. And I don't know what it is for you. Maybe you're waiting for an answered prayer. Maybe you're waiting for a deeper relationship with God. I don't want you to feel stuck or stagnant because you're not creating space to hear from the Lord on what that may be. I want you to know the Lord loves you. He's got a plan for you. He has called you to be son. He is, you are a son. You are a daughter. You are called to be a disciple maker. If you've chosen to follow Jesus, if he lives in your heart and the Holy Spirit is now inside of you, you are a disciple making machine for Jesus. But you may not feel equipped yet. You may be waiting on the courage and the boldness to do what the Bible asks us to do. And that's fine. But let's just seek the Lord here in just a moment. And let's just wait on him. And I want to lead us in prayer before we do that. God, I thank you for...